Once again, the years roll back, and you are in the Brownstone Theater to attend a performance of The Cinderella Man. It's a theater of memories, this Brownstone Theater, your own memories, perhaps. For here, we present plays you may have enjoyed once upon a time. Plays that have entertained and thrilled many an audience in many a theater. Plays you will still enjoy. You are in your seat at the Brownstone Theater now, and sitting beside you is the distinguished American drama critic and author, a knowing and charming gentleman, Clayton Hamilton. May we introduce you to Mr. Hamilton? Good evening. It's always fine to welcome you to the Brownstone Theater, a theater of my memories and your imagination. And we have a charming comedy for you this evening, The Cinderella Man by Edward Charles Carpenter. We're old friends, Mr. Carpenter and I, and this play, since its first production at the Hudson Theater in New York in 1916, has been an old friend for many theatergoers. And like its genial author, The Cinderella Man is always welcome company. Jackson Beck will appear tonight as Tony Quintard and Jan Minor, in the continued illness of Gertrude Warner, will appear as Marjorie Kaner. Tony is a young writer, an undiscovered genius, and Marjorie is the daughter of a very wealthy man. Her mother, who had been divorced, has died, and the young girl comes back from France to live in her old home with her, with her father, whom she hasn't seen for 14 years. She's very lonely and rather uncertain as to her welcome. As our first act begins, Marjorie is just entering the Cana home in the company of the family lawyer, Mr. Romney. Miss Marjorie Cana, Mr. Romney Evans. Hello. Uh, Hello. Uh, are you my father? I... I am. In France, fathers kiss their daughters. Well, it all depends on how you feel about it. Well, I feel about it just like any other girl. <laughs> there. Uh -huh. It's all over. You didn't mind it very much, did you? Mind it? Why should I? I may not be the perfect pattern of a father, but I dare say that I'm no worse than you expected. Well, I think you're going to turn out very well. Oh, then you're not disappointed in me. No, I was afraid that you wouldn't care to have me here at all, but you seem to be well, quite cordial. <laughs> You're a strange girl. Well, I feel a little strange. I, I suppose that's because I've been away so long. I haven't really known you except to Romney. Romney, where are you? No, here, my dear. Oh, good. I know that Romney is a family lawyer, but I still don't see why you run for him when I am here. Am I supposed to know you? Oh, this is my good friend, Albert Sewell. Sewell? The composer? Yes, you have heard of Papa Sewell. Well, yes, I loved your last opera. Naturally, everyone did. Uh, but that was because I had a good book, a libretto. I can write symphonies out of my head, waltzes out of my fingers. Uh, but an opera, I must have a book. In fact, he wants a book so badly that he's offered a prize of $10,000 for the best one. Is that much? It is unheard of. But I am desperate. If that money does not bring a genius out of his garret, nothing will. 
Oh, so that's where genius has come from. Well, I'm sure you'll find one by Christmas. Oh, Christmas, that reminds me. I have a Christmas present for you. A wee bit of a song. Well, so I think that's very nice of you. Yeah, read the verse. He spins no song, he rears no dome. Out of his heart he builds a home. Oh, I, I like that. Who wrote the words? I do not know. I just read them in the paper, liked them, and tore them out. Well, I'd like to know the man who wrote that. Now, let me see that, Marjorie. Why, this is amazing. I know the chap who wrote this. Is he a friend of yours? Yes. Say, you know, this is very strange, this song falling into your hands, because I'd thought that... You'd thought what? Gentlemen, excuse us. Marjorie and I are going over to the window and chat. Well... <laughs> You can depend on Romney to take a pretty girl. There. You see that dreadful old boarding house next door? That's where he lives. Where who lives? Tony Quintard, the chap who wrote that verse. He lives up there like Cinderella in the attic. The gable touches this roof. Oh, a Cinderella man. Is he dreadfully poor? Yes, dreadfully. Oh, Ronnie, why don't you do something for him? Well, he won't let me. Young idiot won't take a penny. But hasn't he any family? No, he did have a rich uncle who died, but he didn't leave Tony any money because he disapproved of Tony's writing. Romney, I'm going to invite him to dinner. Well, I doubt if he'd accept an invitation from a stranger. Oh, well, then I'll, I'll have to think of something else. Yes, I'm afraid Christmas will be rather lonely up there in his attic. Christmas? Romney, I want you to go over there tomorrow and find out what he needs most. Don't ask him. Look around and see for yourself, and, and then come back and tell me. Say, what's stirring in that funny little head of yours? Oh, the Cinderella man is going to have a Christmas. I'll go over tomorrow. But how? Well, I don't know, but I'll get there some way. Garrett doesn't look quite as bare as it did. Now, let me see. I've put the quilt on his bed, and I guess I'd better put that tablecloth on the trunk. Doesn't seem to be any table. And jelly and butter. Mm, hope he likes chicken. Where's the cake? Oh, dear. It looks a little tipsy. I must have hit it when I came through the window. Now, what else? Oh, cigarettes and matches. I hope he smokes. Primrose, and then come I upstairs, think... will you? I want oh. you to run an errand for me. Oh, oh he's back. I, I've got to get out of here. Oh, the window's stuck and I can't get out. What will I... I could hide I'm behind this curtain. My shoes will show. Well, I'll just have to take the chance. Primrose, come up with me and I'll show you what I want. Yes, sir. I want you to take this... Primrose. It looks as if Santa Claus has been here. Oh. Primrose. Yes, sir. Did Romney Evans bring this stuff over? No, sir. Well, then, where did it all come from? I don't know, sir. Must be magic. That's what it is, magic. Oh, I don't believe in magic, sir. Well, have some chicken or a piece of that cake there, and you will. Oh. Oh, good. Mm. This will keep us for a month. Mm. You know, mm. this food inspires me to write. On your way, Primrose, back to your cellar. The muse has struck. Yeah, but where do you suppose these things come from, sir? You explain it. And when you find out the name of my fairy godmother, come back and tell me. But go away now. Yes, sir. But it, it's almighty strange. It certainly is. Well, I'll get to work and see if... Uh-oh. What's this? A pair of feminine slippers showing beneath my curtains? It must be my fairy godmother. Please come out, won't you? I promise not to eat you. I... Oh, no, don't speak. Let me explain you. 
You came from the Isle of Bliss on a sunbeam. You had just finished your Christmas marketing, and you called your sunbeam the way mortals call their calves to take you home again. But the sunbeam had probably lingered too long over the grapes, and feeling in a sportive mood, he picked you up and shot you through my window pane. <laughs> She laughed. Oh, I'd laugh more, only my teeth are chattering. Won't you ask me to sit down? Oh, a thousand pardons. Permit me. There. You provide the feast, I provide the hospitality. Which reminds me, do have some chicken. Thank you, no. Uh, by the way, did you have far to come? You, um, insist upon the details? I entreat. Well, then, once upon a time, a girl came from a far country to live alone in a big house with her father. You're not the rich little girl who lives next door. Oh, you know about her? Yes. Primrose saw her come last night. The little heiress, the veiled princess. You, uh, don't like rich girls? No. Oh. Well, it seems that this rich girl was lonely, so she hired a companion named, uh, uh, Miss Mudge. Your Miss Mudge? Uh, yes. And the companion heard about the boy next door. Oh, I get it. Romney Evans told her. Mm-hmm. And she liked something she heard about the boy. He spins no song, he rears no dome. Out of his heart, he builds a home. Oh, I... You repeat it as if you liked it. It was the song that gave the princess's companion the courage to venture across the roof from her window to yours. Across the roof? <laughs> I never thought of that. You see, your song was your letter of credit. Indeed it was. I got three dollars for it. <laughs> I knew that anybody who could write from the heart that, well, that way must be nice. So I thought it would be fun to have a hand in your Christmas and then disappear. Oh, but I think it's much better that I discovered my fairy godmother. Thank you. You know, you are a Cinderella man. Cinderella man? Well, that's what I've been calling you to myself. I'm, uh, I'm terribly glad you're not the veiled princess. You, uh, dislike princesses so much? I do. Rich girls are conceited, empty-headed bores. Well, you know, I think you're rather hard on them. Well, does a poor man want to ruin his life by marrying a millionaire? Well, how could she ruin his life? Well, he couldn't expect her to live as he'd been used to living, so he'd have to accept help, and that would be the death of his self-respect. It would kill his ambition. There'd no longer be the actual biting necessity to go to work, and necessity is a great spur to ambition. Oh. Then he'd never have the privilege of taking care of a woman all by himself, working for her, struggling for her, suffering for her. I... I agree with you. But suppose you find a rich girl who doesn't care for money. The veiled princess next door is like that. Impossible. Well, I can prove it to you. Let me bring her over someday and... Oh, no. no. I'm more afraid of a princess than I am of, of the great she-bear. Who's the great she-bear? My landlady. The most <laughs> awful woman in the world. She has a very low mind. She never puts any coal in the furnace if she can avoid it, and she demands the rent ahead of time. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're not afraid of me. And now I... You're not going. Well, I must. Oh, well, I'm glad that you read that poem. At least we met because of it. Oh, that reminds me. You know, anyone who can write like that ought to write an opera. Did you know that they're offering a prize of $10,000 for a story for an opera? Yes, I did. And this manuscript of mine is the one that's going to win the prize. Oh, let me see it. May I? Of course. Well, you should have this typewritten. Um... I have a typewriter. I don't think I could manage one. I can. Let me type your manuscript. I wouldn't think of putting you to so much trouble. Oh, please, let me. Well, it would be a wonderful favor. And, uh, well, now that you've found the way, you will come again, won't you? Well, I have to now. You've just engaged me as your secretary. Well, that was very clever of me. <laughs> when shall I see you? 
Well, now that will depend entirely on the princess. She may let me out for an hour tomorrow. Will you uh, please open the window for me? Oh, of course. Are you sure you want to go back this way? Very sure. Then, good night, fairy godmother. Good night, Cinderella man. And Merry Christmas. From where I sit in the Brownstone Theater, I can see that the remainder of our play, The Cinderella Man, is bound to be on the romantic side. The scene will still be set in the garret, but it's a week later, and there's a big change in Tony's surroundings. Now there are a few rugs, a tea set, a chintz curtain, and other evidences of activity on the part of a young lady who has assumed the name of Mudge. As the curtain rises, we see that it's dusk, and Tony is standing at the window, peering anxiously into the waning light. Thank heaven you've come at last. What's the matter? It's so late. It's nearly four o'clock. Were you anxious? You're always so punctual. Well, I was putting the finishing touches to the manuscript. Here it is. Good. Now I can edit it and get it off tonight. So, uh, you were worried about me? Oh, it looks fine. So professional. I asked you a question. I beg your pardon? Were you really worried about me? Oh, certainly I was. When did you begin to be worried? When you didn't come. Right away? Yes. At, uh, half past three? Yeah, yeah. Were you very much worried? Miss Mudge, I'm busy. Please don't talk. Oh, Please, please. How can I concentrate when you're singing at the top of your voice? I'm sorry. I'll try not to make so much noise. Thank you. You know, this is a good act, only I don't quite like the finish of it, where the Princess Wisteria slaps the Prince Hollyhock's face and runs away. Well, he was very impudent to kiss her right in front of her own palace door, or anyone might have seen them. What's that got to do with it? Well, that's why she was so angry. I thought she was angry because he kissed her. Well, not because he kissed her, but because he did it so publicly. She loves him already, you see. Oh, no, no. She doesn't love him until the last act. She loves him in the second. But she doesn't say anything about it until the last. You're sure of that? Positive. Well, if that's the case, well, then there should be some expression of it at the end of Act Two, after the slapping. Well, let's work it out. Now, you be the princess. Yes, and you be the prince. Yeah, now... I say so, 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 and then I kiss you. Now, you slap me. Oh, no, harder than that. I've got to get into the spirit of the thing. But you, you didn't really kiss me. All right, let's do it again. Now. <laughs> That's better. And it gives me an idea. I've got to get to work. It's time you stopped and had tea. How can I get this job done when you keep bothering me? Well, you can't work without being fed. I can't work when I'm stuffed. Well, if you stuff yourself, it isn't my fault. I don't stuff myself. All you do is make me eat. Oh. You've kept me so stuffed for the past week that half the time my brains have refused to work. Well, that isn't true. They've worked better than ever. You said so yourself. Oh, now you've got me so upset I can't work. Well, I'm glad of it. Don't you realize I've got to get this thing corrected and sent away? I'm supposed to be in an atmosphere of romance, and you keep dragging me out of it into commonplace material things like eating. You leave me alone for five minutes, I'll be through. A person doesn't want to eat all the time. When a person's an artist, he... 
What's wrong? <laughs> oh, I suppose I've hurt you somehow. I didn't mean to. Really, I didn't. When I start working, I'm not a fit companion for a, a prehistoric monster. You know, I don't know what I'd do without you. I'm impatient and restless all day until you come, and when you're gone, I'm, I'm lonely. Oh, you're crying. No, I'm not. I'm a beast. No, it's all right now. You forgive me? Of course. No, I, I think I'll go home. Miss Mudge, oh, I hate that name. Fairy Godmother, you're almost as much alone in the world as I am, aren't you? Almost. I don't often think of things like this, but if I should die tonight, it wouldn't affect a single soul. If anything should happen to you, is there anyone who would care very much? Not very much. Miss Mudge, Fairy Godmother, do you know anything about marrying? Marrying? Why, well, I... You know, I... You know, you've, you've got the most beautiful eyes in the world. Have I? Yes. I, I wonder if my manuscript is any good. Oh, I know it is. It's inspired. All I could offer any girl today would be a little inspiration. Well, wouldn't it be a sensible idea, then, if you were to marry a girl who had a little money of her own? I won't marry a girl with money. But the most of those girls come that way. Now, there's the princess. Oh, please. Well, it isn't fair for you to be so prejudiced against her. She's the same sort of girl that I am. You're worth a million princesses. Look, if this manuscript should win, in that case, I'd have $10,000. Um, a man could marry on $10,000, could not he? Oh, yes, indeed. It would be a wonderful adventure. Yes, it would. Darling. I... So, Mr. Quintard, I thought so. This is what's been going on in my attic. And that's where you got those chintz curtains and that stove and those quilts. The great she bear. Mr. Quintard, I know what's been going on up here. I want you to get out and take that girl with you. This is a decent house and I'm a respectable woman. You don't know what you're saying. I'm saying I won't have a lodger of mine carrying on like this. How dare you? You get out of here. You Shut up and a... get out of my room. What? I said shut up and get out. This is don't my... Don't you say another word. You've said enough. I'll get out of here tomorrow, but you get out of here now. Go on, get out. Well... I'm sorry. So am I. It makes something very beautiful seem evil, doesn't it? Yes, Tony. Good night. Tony, where will you go if you leave here? I can't say. You let me know. I'll... I'll have to tell you later. Tony. Good night. Good night and goodbye, fairy godmother. Come in. Have you read Mr. Quintard's opera? Yes, Marjorie. I have read it. So have the other members of the committee. I saw to that. Well, what do you think of it? Isn't it wonderful? I'm sorry. The committee will not have it the way it is. They won't have it that way. But that's impossible. It's so wonderful. So we all thought. Until we came to the last act. But what does your author do then? He ruins it. He ends it tragically. Oh, but he doesn't. I'll show you the original manuscript. Let me see it. Well, it's over here. Marjorie. What have you got to say about an opera of a man I never heard of? Well, you see, Papa, your secretary typed it for me. Oh, and for whom I'd like to know? A friend of mine. A man of real talent. 
here's the original, Mr. Sewell. Uh, thank you, my dear. What's his name? Anthony Quintard. Never heard of him. You will. You will. Where did you meet him? Did uh, Romney introduce him? Uh, no. Yes. Y- yes, no. Who am I to believe? Did you introduce them, Romney? Well, I told them about each other. You see, Papa, we're neighbors. He lived next door, and it's only a step across the roof to his window. Good Lord. You know, this original is a fine piece of work. Mm, don't you love it? I suppose you stood at your window making eyes at him. No. I climbed across the roof to his window. The... Romney, this girl's made a fool of herself. Have I done something I shouldn't? Have you done something you shouldn't? No. Nothing but scrape up an acquaintance with this quintard person in the most extraordinary manner. I wonder what the man must have thought of you. Well, he was very grateful. It's a wonder he didn't make mine in love to you. Oh, I wish he had. But he didn't. Why didn't he? Doesn't he like you? He's very poor and fearfully proud. Oh. This manuscript is wonderful. This chap is an artist. Artist? He's a scribbler. After my daughter for her money. <laughs> Don't worry. When he finds out I'm your daughter, I'll never see him again. Oh. So he objects to your father, eh? He doesn't know you're my father. What's that? I told him I was your daughter's companion. A compa- I had to. Tony doesn't want his wife to support him. He wants to support her. Oh, Papa, please disinherit no. me. And then I can go to Tony and tell him I haven't any money and he'll have to marry me. What right has this young snip to let a matter of money stand between him and a girl like you? It's absurd. Marjorie, I positively forbid you to cross that roof again. I won't, Papa. Good. He's moved. At what? You know, this play is a masterpiece. Romney, he likes it. You'll give him the prize then? Mr. Quintard, see Mr. Sewell. Ah, what's that young man doing here? I sent for him. Oh, more of your conniving, eh? I'll see him. But he asked for me, not you. This is my house. You can have Mr. Quintard when I'm finished with him. Now clear out, all of you. Papa, please. Yes, and that means you too. Blodgett, ask Mr. Quintard to come in. Yes, sir. You'll be very gentle with him. Yes. And don't let him know I'm Marjorie. He thinks I'm his fairy godmother. His what? Mr. Quintard, sir. Oh, oh, uh, come in, young man. I'm Morris Kaner. I thought you were Mr. Sewell. He told me to come here. Yes, I know. You, uh, don't look like a poet. I hope not. But you are a poet, aren't you? You think your work's pretty important, don't you? I think it's pretty good. Sometimes. Hmm. Young man with your assurance ought to go into business. I suppose so. Make a pile of money. I wonder how it's done. Foresight, my boy, foresight. That's how I made my money. In my mind, I saw that steel would be the biggest thing in the country. I watched my chance, and it panned out even bigger than I dreamed. Dreaming. That's how we all begin. Poet or millionaire. I see that dreaming puts us in the same boat. Yes. I sing, but you row. <laughs> But your singing doesn't pay you as well as my rowing does me. <laughs> you uh, ought to marry into a wealthy family, young man. Did you? No! That's how I feel about it. Young man, you'll do. Kena, you have kept me waiting long enough. Oh, uh, uh, Quintard, this is Mr. Sewell. Confound you, Quintard. What the devil do you mean by spoiling the last act? Don't you like it? Not at all. You'll have to use the original version. How did you know about the original? Uh... Well, it uh, seems that my daughter's companion has the original manuscript in her possession. Oh. Um, do you think I could see Miss Mudge? Miss Mudge? <laughs> All right. I'll see. Mr. Sewell, you feel sure the opera will go? Very sure. Come see me tomorrow morning and we'll go over everything together. Oh, I'm ever so much obliged to you. Do not speak of it. Ah, 
Here comes the lady. So good night. Good night. Hello, Tony. Oh. Well, you're... You're so dressed up. You look more like a fairy princess. Not a fairy godmother. How are you, Mr. Cinderella Man? Sewell has accepted my script. I know. Why did you change the ending? I was so unhappy after you'd gone that night. You miss me? Yes. I never missed anyone so much. Tony, don't you think it'd be nice if you met the princess? Oh, no, not now. Please. Please, Miss Mudge. Will you marry me? Oh, Tony. Why, I'm not sure that you want to. Not want to? But I love you. It was all I could do to keep from telling you that day, but it didn't seem right. I only had 17 cents in my pocket and not a prospect. But now, I feel that I can ask you. Well, I wish I knew what I ought to do. It's all very simple if you love me. You marry me and we live together the rest of our lives. Oh, it sounds wonderful, but... But... Well, I can't say yes until you've asked the princess. Ask the princess? Yes. Please ask her. She's... She's here in this room. You mean... You're the princess? Mm, yes. You haven't played fair. I fell in love with Miss Mudge. Oh, Tony, listen to me. I love you no matter who I am. I don't want that money. I'll, I'll give it away. My love for you hasn't changed. It never will. I'm sorry, Miss Mudge. Marjorie. But I couldn't marry a rich woman. I told you that. You couldn't give your money away. It, it wouldn't be fair to you. Tony. I'll be going. I want you to know that I <laughs> love Miss Mudge... Very dearly, and I... I wish it all might have... Marjorie, are you... Are you crying? Oh, please don't cry. I can't stand it when you cry. You know that. Oh, Marjorie, please. Oh, hang it, Marjorie. If you'll just stop crying, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do anything. Will you marry me? If that's what you want, if you're sure that... Sure? Oh, Cinderella, man. I was never so sure of anything. can be reasonably certain that the Cinderella man and his princess will live happily ever after. As I sat here listening to the fine performances of our players tonight, I couldn't help remembering the original cast of the Cinderella man, the lovely Phoebe Foster and Burton Churchill, and above all, Shelley Hull, all excellent actors and dear friends of mine. Shelley Hull died, a victim of a wave of influenza. He was one of the most manly of our young romantic actors. And he was the husband of our beloved Josephine Hull, who has appeared in so many plays for such conspicuous success. Next week, we shall turn to a serious drama in the Brownstone Theatre when Gertrude Warner and Jackson Beck will be starred in Henrik Ibsen's celebrated play, A Doll's House. Nora and Torvald Helmer in that play start with being happily married, but then, well, let's observe the play together next week, shall we? I shall look forward to the pleasure of your company again at that time in our Brownstone Theatre. And so, 
the time being only, good night. Brownstone Theater performances are produced in the Mutual Long Acre Theater in New York, which once a week becomes our own Brownstone Theater. Your companion at these plays is the distinguished critic and author Clayton Hamilton. The adaptation of The Cinderella Man was made by Amzie Strickland. The music was directed by Sylvan Levin. The entire production was under the direction of Jock McGregor. Next week, A Doll's House. The Brownstone Theater originates at WOR and is heard over most of these stations on Wednesday evening at 9.30 Eastern War Time.